This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, parents. Jim Wright here. Wonder Parenting Podcast, a brain science approach to parenting with Dr. Michael Gurian. And uh, we're looking forward today to uh, a really good topic. Uh, a lot of students have been sort of in and out of school the last 18 months, in and out of a school setting uh, because of COVID. And we've got a great question about that today. Uh, Michael, good to have you as always. Thank you. Great to be with you. Thank you. And uh, before we get started, I uh, want to mention a couple things. First of all, uh, if you've got questions for us, that's what this whole podcast is about. We want to answer your questions. And there's two ways that you can submit questions to us. The first is to go to our website, wonderparenting.com. That's wonderparenting.com. And there is a submission form there. And uh, you can just send questions and it goes right to Michael's email. He sends it on to me. We follow up with you and we put it in the queue and then we get to it as soon as we can. The other way, which seems to be now the, the more popular way, is to post your question on our Facebook group page. And so you go to, to Facebook, and then you just type in Wonder Parenting. You hit join. I'll let you in. And then you can ask questions. And we may or may not pick up your questions on the Facebook page, but there are going to be a lot of people there who will interact with you, interact with you on your questions. And... Um, Usually what I do is I'll scroll through those and the ones that seem to have a lot of energy or we maybe haven't answered them for a while, uh, we'll pick those up as well. Um, mentioned last time that we are, Michael and I are recording on a new platform, which isn't of any importance to you, except that we now see each other and we can use this platform to live stream a podcast. And so in the next few weeks, we'll let you know, uh, we'll live stream uh, a special thing on that Facebook page. So you want to join that so that you can see once in a while when we come online and uh, go face-to-face with you with some of your questions. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors, the Center of Place of Hope. These are the great folks up in the Seattle area, Dr. Greg Jantz, prolific author, really cares about helping you be the best you can be and help you deal with some of the stuff uh, that we all face in life. Uh, for me, it's anxiety. It might be depression for other people. And uh, especially if you need deeper help, that's a great place to go. The center place uh, of hope. And you can see more about that at wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And then, Michael, I know you're a big fan of the Forge School, and you've had a chance to be there again recently. Uh, Give us the scoop. Yeah. Yeah, the Forge School near Benton, Tennessee, residential treatment for 14 to 17-year-old boys. Uh, so any anyone who knows a boy of that age group who's having significant issues, uh, this is residential treatment. Um, could be six weeks, two months. It's what they call short term. And most insurance, uh, perhaps all insurance, I don't know, pays for it. That's what I've heard from them. So that makes it mm. easier or easier on the families. Um, and it's a great staff and a great place. I mean, just physically an incredible place. 55 acres, adventure therapy for the boys, which is very helpful for boys that age uh, to deal with issues 
so the Forge School, wonderofparenting.com, just click the link there. So today, uh, this question, again, was submitted on our page and um, uh, through wonderofparenting.com. And uh, it just, I found it really interesting. And I know Michael does too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And here's what the question says. I wanted to run something by you that I've been thinking about. I know, and we all know that the last 18 months or two years have been remarkably different for students everywhere. As teachers, we see the difference in the way the students are not prepared as we are accustomed to expecting. This is no fault of anyone's. Online learning is not as effective as in-person learning. We see Algebra 2 students who do not have sufficient foundation in Algebra 1. We see Spanish 2 students who are not able to perform at the Spanish 1 level, and on and on. It will take a long time for this new learning gap to be erased, and teachers who are not able to adapt to this new starting point for their students are setting themselves up for frustration and disappointment. My new thought, and and I am sure that this is not original with me, is that this concept also applies to behavior. Students have, for large part, been supervised at home or have been at home alone if their parents worked outside the home. We have seen a setback in the realm of demerits, uh, many more this time than last year. Uh, there is a, an increase in disrespect and lack of effort. We see students refuse to work and simply accept whatever consequences we impose. As bad as this is, it should have been expected. We have students are, who are from the 6th to the 12th grade. Other schools have students K to 12. There are many variations. For us, the 18 months is 12.5% of the life of a sixth grade student. For the 12th grade, this is 8.3% of their life. Neither of these is an insignificant number. And expanding it to a first grade student at six years old, this becomes 25% of their life. That is a big chunk of life with a lack of discipline and guidance supplied by schools and unfortunately in many cases not supplied at home. This is way more words than I usually put in an email, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Do you think that the time without formal school has had a significant negative impact on behavior? I've not heard this discussed or written about, and perhaps I am just Looney Tunes for thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know no. that he's that, no. um, but certainly it is. A, it really is an interesting question. I, I, you know, a couple levels, so we'll let you take off, but certainly have kids fallen dramatically behind in their education because of what happened, the pandemic and what do we do about that? And secondly, has it impacted their behavior? So what were your initial thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this person is not, not Looney Tunes or being hard on himself. No, he's very wise. Uh, teachers are, are such wise people, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I just, uh, parents and teachers that there's so much wisdom in them. And this is a very wise teacher who's going on empirical evidence what's right in front of him and he's seeing it and then all his colleagues are seeing it so uh, this is absolutely the case uh kids are are uh, cognitively behind academically behind and then they're socially behind Hmm. and um and the primary reason of course which i'm now going to repeat what he said but i'm going to do it from a different angle is is that so self-regulation we've said before on this podcast the way that human brain works, you know, and the way we learn is through relationship and through socialization. And that's why we go to school. That's why children go to school with other people, right? They're learning 
they have a teacher, but they're also learning with other people, right? With their peers and with other teachers. And so co-regulation is occurring. Co-regulation is where other people are constantly interacting with us and, and that's socialization. And that teaches us who to be and how to be. Um, and we're teaching them, right? So co-regulation, we're co-regulating each other. And that's how we develop self-regulation. And um, uh, without that environment, uh, not only, so for 18 months, right, kids didn't have that environment, not only are they cognitively behind, because as as he has said, and he is correct, all the, re all the research uh, agrees with him, that mm -hmm. online learning is good for a few people, for right. a few people, for some kids, online learning actually works very well, the, like the incredibly shy kids, the kids who are bullied at a school, um, kids have certain learning disorders. Yes, online can work. Yes, but um, predominantly, no. It's not. Uh, it's not a good way to learn, and um, uh, and and he has isolated the second reason. <laughs> you know that it's not a good way to learn because we lack. We don't have the co-regulation to develop the self-regulation. So. Uh, I, I think he's really wise. And wherever I've been going, so I've been, as you know, back on the road, um, speaking and consulting, et cetera, um, since this summer. And everywhere I have gone, everyone is talking about this. So he's hmm. absolutely not alone. Everyone is talking about it. They're saying the kids are not as well behaved. They don't care about the discipline. <laughs> they just go, oh, well, you know, the consequences, oh, well, they're not as motivated to learn, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so... I think that it, this is you and I, I think have talked about it before that I see this as like a three to five year issue. Like, I think it's wow. going to take many years for um, us to get a handle on this. And it's, and it's why it's certainly why I, from the very beginning was against school closure um, is for this very reason, because it's, it's like saying to, a, to children birth to five saying um, we know that, preschool is good for you. We know socialization is good for you. We know co-regulation is good for you, but we're not going to do it anymore, you mm -hmm. know? And, and that's what school was. We all know that they should be in school and for various reasons, a lot of them politicized, um, you know, that the one month or two months of that one spring, right? Spring of 19, one month or two months. Okay. It was the end of the school year. Okay. We need to protect people. Okay. We're going to just go online. But the big mistake was the next year, you know, fall, um, uh, losing a couple months is one thing, but losing 12 to 18 months is what creates these issues for the brain. So the reason I think it's going to take us, you know, in the three-year range, at least to cure this breach, let's say, is because we've got to retrain that those brains, and we have to get them back into co all this constant co-regulation and, and the self-regulation that they lost for 18 months. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, again, so many questions. I, I, I want to go macro for a minute. This may take us a little off topic, but I want to okay. go macro and then get in. We're not just seeing this with students. We're seeing this with big people. Right. We're seeing it on fights on airplanes, uh, you know, yelling and shouting matches as kids go to school over whether they should wear masks or not. We're seeing really American culture behaving badly in a lot of ways. So how much of what's happening do you think for children in school, do they see being modeled by adults in their life who are kind of crashing some of the society etiquette boundaries? Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I, I I was focusing more on this on the lack of school, but yeah, you're right. There is some modeling out there, um, and and that first thing you said, I mean, I, I really you know really gets me. I think is so right that that we know that social isolation is dangerous, not just for mm. children but for adults, and we know, for instance, that the biggest killer of human beings is loneliness. You know, when mm. we add up. Uh, there were some studies that came out and I can't remember if you and I did a podcast on it, but uh, it's in saving our sons and minds of girls, these studies about loneliness and how, you know, heart disease, all, so many of the things that people die of um, loneliness is a significant factor in it and in the stress. Uh, so social isolation is dangerous for human beings. And uh, so it wasn't just children, but it was also adults who were socially isolated. And so therefore they didn't get all that co-regulation. Right. And so they don't have as much self-regulation. Um, but that's not the only reason we know it's being fed by social media. And one of the one of probably the most profound error our culture is making right now that we'll look back on 20 years from now and see very clearly is that we're looking towards social media and into screens we're uh, smartphones, et cetera, uh, even interactive video games. You know, we're looking into them for relationship. And we're, we're looking into, so to take social media, we're looking into social media for relationship. But if we look at the human brain, social media isn't really relationship. On the surface, obviously it is. You you interact with someone, you know, you're yelling at them and they're yelling at you. So there's a little bit of relationship, but it's basically not. It's not doing for the brain what the brain needs um, to be able to keep developing a self and keep and keep using that self for service, you know, of others, of your children and, and others, which is really what we are here to do. And so, so I would add social media and the screens, they double down on the isolation. Um, uh, a lot of people are now so used to them that people are still relating, you know, through social media right. and it's right. not really relationship. And so now they're in 18 months to two years of, and they don't even realize that their brains are in ways isolated and uh, lonely and creating issues, some of which are anger and resentment and rage. And, you know, um, uh, from trauma often grows anger and resentment and rage. It's a, it's a response to trauma. And th these adults you're talking about have been traumatized. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So let's go back to the, the, the question at hand. Mm -hmm. um, and let, let's start with, um, let's start with parents. And, and let me ask a few questions about how can parents be proactive in helping their kids learn boundaries and respect when it comes to going to school? 
And then we'll talk about maybe some things teachers can do in the classroom. But uh, some of this is going to start at home mm -hmm. and the way that we parent our kids. So what is it that kids need to hear as they go back to school? And a lot of them are already back in school and have been for a while, but about uh, behavior and discipline, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, what I like to see, and I've definitely been suggesting this in the, the schools I've been visiting and speaking at, you know, the last few months is that the parents and the teachers get together, they make a list, you know, and they say, okay, here are the things the, the teachers say to the parents, here are the things we really need you to work on. So just pick three, because 10 is overwhelming, you know, just pick three. Uh, one of them would be please and thank you. You know, some of the kids mm. are not using the magic words anymore, let's say. So, okay, let's pick that. Would, that's one, this, depending on the age. Maybe they're four and five-year-olds. Um, can you help with that, parents? And then another would be um, if they have homework or projects, can you pick that one? Make sure they're doing these projects. Now we're moving to older. Let's say we're moving into fifth and sixth grade. You know, you get really beyond them about the homework, really beyond them about these projects. Um the teachers are also probably going to say to the parents, can you curtail the screens because that's making them under motivated. You know, uh, we, we have talked about that on our podcast that the more time they spend on screens, the less motivated they are, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, maybe that's on the list. Okay. No screens, no screens before bed, you know, all the things, all the basic things about screen time. So, so let's talk with the teachers and get, you know, what are, what are three things or four things? And then the parents spend a month really working on those uh, or spend a month working on one of them with the kids or two of them, and then move the next month to the other two. And then that keeps growing so that there's a concerted effort and there's connection in this community, you know, um, this co-regulation community, which is really what it is. It's schools and parents together. Uh, and, and that, that will, I think, accelerate, um, because partly what will happen is the parents will have a target, you know, as to, okay, these are the things we need to work on with my, with my child. Um, to some extent, otherwise the parents are really overwhelmed because they can see that on the one hand, they can see that their kids are kind of somewhat lost and mm -hmm. not doing some of the things that they know they should. And so they're always yelling at them about it, let's say. But on the other hand, they, they may not even be seeing what the kids are doing at school, you know, right. and they may not realize that, well, wait a minute, the really big targets are one, two, and three. That's what we got to work on. So I, I, I like that as, um, as the practical strategy and then set the plan up. And exactly what the parents will do with the child is going to depend on what the teachers in school and the parents agree is going on with that child. So I, I would assume then uh, following out of that, that there are going to be some things that just the normal things that parents want to instill in their children. This is how we behave in our house. Uh, the please. Oh, yeah. Thank basic yous. values. Yep. Yeah. Basic, basic values. values. We treat each other with respect. We apologize and we forgive all of those things. And, um, I guess if that's not happening in the home, it's pretty hard to expect it to happen in school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes kids act better in school than they act at home. You know, <laughs> that's true. That, that, yes. it does happen. So it could yep. be at home is chaos, but the kids act well in school. Uh, yeah. And what you're saying also make it makes sense, too, that that the kids really do need the modeling and they do need the the motivation and, and not to overuse the word, the co-regulation at home in mm -hmm. which these people are teaching them constantly. This is how you act. Yeah. They need that. And that should transfer to school. Sometimes, you know, kids act out in school because this, the home is like really authoritarian, yeah. not authoritative, but authoritarian, so rigid, you know, and, you know, and, and that's too far. That goes too far. 
um, uh, with the parents and the kids. And so the kids might act out at school. It's better for the parents to have these targets and these basic values, you know, and insist that their children uh, accept and adhere to these basic values. And if they're doing that, they're, you know, the kids are going to be pretty well-behaved kids because these are basic values. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's take it to homeschooling for just a few moments because homeschooling is a, a different sort of experience. Uh, we don't want to suggest necessarily that you have to be in a school setting to develop these kinds of things. So what what would you uh, sort of say to parents who are homeschooling their kids to help them build, as homeschool kids, uh, respect, dignity, values for relating to the community around them? Well, homeschooling is schooling. I mean, it, right. it, it is an interesting thing. I mean, it's a distinction that we make. Um that you've made, it's a correct distinction, obviously, is it's it's its own genre of schooling called homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And what people may not realize is that homeschooling, even pre-COVID, had moved into structure, you know, uh, camaraderie, co-regulation, multiple teachers, because the concept maybe that we had 10 years ago, that it was a mom who, uh, I mean, this is what I would hear 10 years ago. Homeschooling is a mom, it was usually a mom, who... Um, didn't have background in education, got a got a book, sat her kids down over the kitchen table and taught them this book. You know, that's right. what people thought homeschooling was. I'm, I don't really think it ever was that, but but uh, it is certainly not that now. I mean, the moms are doing a lot of great teaching, but it's not. That's a stereotype that it's not. It's really well-structured learning. It's usually very project-based or more project-based and project-driven, which is great, which is, I think, a better way to learn anyway for kids. Um, It has multiple parents slash caregivers slash teachers um, because different people, different assets exist like um, you know, a mom who's an engineer or a dad who's an engineer one day a week is actually doing the math teaching for the kids. They go to his house, her house, you know, et cetera. So it's, it's uh, set up that way. It's set up with co-ops. And so everything we have said here about getting together with the other homeschool teachers slash parents and saying, what do we need to work on, you know, uh, at home, it still applies to homeschooling. Uh, homeschooling was not in my wheelhouse at all until COVID hit. And then my daughter-in-law and my son decided to homeschool their three kids Mm -hmm. and everything that you're saying about homeschooling, although during COVID, it was a little tougher, tougher for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, But project-based, which I love, they're Mm -hmm. always working on projects to learn and they have taken advantage of some things. And in in two weeks, Jan and I are going to a play that the homeschool kids are putting on. Mm. Uh, It's a group of them. 
and it's fairly, you know, it'd be like a, taking a class at a, at a theater camp of some sort. So it's not just kids throwing on a bathrobe and acting. Right. Uh, you know, they're really putting some time in. Uh, and uh, I've really been quite impressed at the, the power that homeschooling can have. Uh, I always just am a little nervous. You know, are my grandkids getting enough socialization with other kids? Um, but you're right. Homeschooling has changed dramatically in the last several years to provide that kind of stuff. And you really got to learn to respect in those settings as well, uh, in part because you tend to be meeting with different groups of people at different times. Yeah. And it's smaller class size and mm-hmm. smaller class size sometimes is often, I would say often is really great for co-regulation and self-regulation. It's part of why we all wish, you know, everyone had smaller class size because, um, you know, you, you can't, you don't have 30 people and a teacher who is overwhelmed with classroom management, right. just trying to manage them, you know, and they're acting out and, can't, can't, you know, so there's hardly any learning going on. And it's, it's just, it's, it's a mess. You get it down. Let's say, I mean, that's not how all classrooms are, but let's look at that, but you get it down to, to 15 or 17 kids, you know, and a teacher, um, less kids fall through the cracks and they can't, quite act out as much, you know, because it's really clear because there's fewer kids and they can't really hide in the back of the room and all. So um, homeschooling is like smaller class size. And I think that's another advantage to it. Um, My hope would be, and I, I don't know about what's happening with your grandkids, but my hope would be that, that people realize now we are post we, we are, we'll never be post COVID post COVID is just a phrase, but COVID is endemic now. And I know some people still want to call it a pandemic. That's their right. But in terms of how I think we should act to try to rescue our children, you know, and rescue these, these, everything, the basic values, the, the self-regulation, the, the maturation of our kids, we really, I think now have to say, okay, this is a, this is an endemic. Um, you know, everyone who's eligible gets vaccinated. Um, we'll just have very little trouble with this. And we got to go back to everyone socializing and, and uh, for the very reasons we've described here in this podcast, because now the socialization is is more important for child development than an, unless a child is immunocompromised, severely immunocompromised, mm-hmm. then that would be different. But for the ninety nine point nine percent of kids, this socialization is now really more important than the potential possible obscure, maybe possibility that my child might perhaps get a long haul case of COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we have to move to resilience now, become a culture of resilience again, especially to uh, uh, honor our kids, respect our kids and rescue our kids. Um, and that doesn't mean there isn't going to be some child somewhere right. who is going to suffer and die. That is absolutely going to happen. And that is absolutely going to happen with cancer, you know, there are children who suffer and die at four years old from cancer. Right, right. And, and we all know how tragic that is. So, so that's going to happen with COVID, but if we're going to deal with this problem that we've isolated right here today, we have to see COVID as endemic and move back into constant socialization. I want to pick up on one final point with you. And that was your prediction that it could take us two to three years mm-hmm. to sort of get back uh, this is my line baseline, but at least get back. So when you're talking about that, are you talking about getting caught up academically? Are you talking about getting caught up behaviorally both for you? What does it mean? This could take us two to three years, assuming that there's no other lockdown on the horizon. 
What do you, what is it that's going to take two to three years? Yeah. Well, I as you know, I'm anti-lockdown, so I'm going to assume right. no more no lockdown unless you know something happens that we have not thought of. Um, uh, so it's a combination of these elements. It's a, it's cognitive and academic. It's like he he described about algebra one and algebra two. Um, uh, that takes that's going to take a year or two, and yeah. be, and partly because partly the problem is that we in the schools, the schools are having to deal with so much behavioral and under motivation, et cetera, all of this stuff that we can't teach as well as we want to teach. So that increases the cognitive academic, uh, you know, uh, decline or uh, being beneath baseline, as you said, it increases that because, you know, we could say, okay, this month, we're going to get all the kids caught up. We're going to teach all this stuff. But doesn't work that way. The brain doesn't work that way. And then all these interruptions and, and all the, the, and the battles over masking, I mean, all of these things interrupt and the social media fights, and then the, the teachers who are going to, um, who are going to leave because they don't want to be vaccinated. Okay. Then we got to get new mm -hmm. teachers in, right. you know, so, and that means we got to train them and, and it's, it's, that's what's going to extend this. That's part of what will extend this. So not only is the human brain trying to catch up, but all the distractions and issues that we face in trying to help our kids catch up. So that's why I think, yeah, I think two to three years, um, uh, unless there's more knocked out lockdown, in which case it'll be longer. Right. Yeah. And to his point, uh, one great way to start putting dignity and discipline back into life is for us as adults to behave like adults and model for the kids, what it looks like to be good citizens. And uh, so some of that's on all of us in these days. And uh, I thought it was really interesting for you to say, you know, a lot of us are acting out isolation and loneliness. It comes out in anger or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, I think for us just to be aware of that and to say, boy, for the good of uh, myself and the people around me, let's let's act as decent human beings. Yeah. And people who are like, you know, not going to restaurants, let's say, or whatever it is, not taking that trip, whatever it is they are doing where they're not socializing, I, I would beg people to think about that. Everyone knows their own circumstance. They could have an illness or something, you know, mm -hmm. but, but also think about the fact that if you are not doing those, that socializing, you are robbing yourself and your family of the self-development that's going to allow you mm. to, to bounce back and to be resilient. We really need other people to help us. And I, I'll give you, I'll end with an example of this is for infants too. Uh, have we talked about this yet on the podcast? I was talking to the family of an infant. Mm -mm. Who they're not allowing the infant until there's a shot for the infant. They're not allowing the infant oh. to really go out wow. or meet okay. people, et cetera, because, you know, it's like, you know, we're parents who are really worried about this infant. And, and I, uh, I'm going to mean this both literally and metaphorically. What, what I was saying to them is, I think this is a terrible mistake um, at two levels. One level is socialization. So this infant is socializing with a mom, dad, and grandma, grandpa. So that is good. I mean, that's definitely good, but not socializing with just about anyone else. Um, so, so that is going to have brain development effects. All the stuff we've talked about here on that child. This has been the case for this child for 18 months now. Wow. And then, yeah, I mean, the first six months, you know, okay, not. But at 18 months, you really want to see this child socially. And the second huge issue is the immune system. So this child is not being, this child's immune system and those genetics are not being stimulated or triggered 
by the environment enough. So I would expect this child to later have more asthma, to later have more uh, physiologic illnesses, because that immune system has got to be built in these early years. But but the fear has has affected people. And so I am begging people (laughs) to, you know, socialize more because that is a key. Wow, that that is really interesting and really helpful. As has been the whole podcast once again, Michael. So thank you very, very much. Thank, thank you, you to uh, the guy who sent this in. We really appreciate it. It was a good, good question and good discussion. And uh, next week in our podcast, we're going to do a little freewheeling. And I'm just going to pick Michael's brains. What is Michael thinking about these days? What are his concerns? What's he seeing? What are the things he wants us to be aware of? And I'm going to give him 40 seconds to think about it. It'll seem like a week, (laughs) but he's going to get 40 (laughs) seconds to think about it. So, Michael, thank you as always. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Make sure you go to wonderparenting.com or to Facebook and join our Facebook Wonder Parenting group. We'll see you next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.